A lot of what you talk about and even the example you gave in the beginning of the book of you and your daughter's stay at the park really speaks to the amount of embodiment or the amount of our own conscious awareness we have of our feelings and emotions and being able to self-source a lot of our energy or a lot of our validation and being a conscious person ourselves. So for people listening, what would you say to them about their journey for becoming conscious themselves and becoming aware of their own patterns and processes as they become parents, because that will be the foundation of how the relationship with their child is born. Yeah, beautifully said. You said it. The more we self-source, the more we look inward, the more we heal ourselves and become whole. And what that really means is how much have we accepted ourselves with our limitations? This is not about being pristine and not having limitations. This is about being whole with limitations. The more we do that, the more we will enter all intimate relationships with this energy of, okay, you are not completing me. I don't need to use you and this relationship to feel better about myself. I stand on my own worth, in my own purpose, with a clear mission for who I want to be. And you and I are interdependent for sure, but I'm definitely not sucking on you to get my needs met. Now that parent is a healthy parent and the child of that parent will grow up knowing that I can fuck up, but I'm not going to destroy my mom because I'm messing up. She's okay. She'll always stand by me and give me guidance, but her sense of self or worth is not dependent on my fuck ups or not. So what freedom then that child has to be in a bad mood or to be going through their own pain without feeling like, oh my goodness, my mom won't be able to handle it. And so many of us grew up with that burden. Oh, I better not tell my dad that. He's going to be so angry or he'll be so disappointed in me. So we cut ourselves off from our parents because we didn't want to have them face pain. We shouldn't have to impose that on our children. Children don't have to be burdened by that. We need to be okay within ourselves no matter what our children are going through. So there's this adage, you're only as happy as your least happy child is rubbish. You shouldn't be as happy as your least happy child. How is that going to be helpful? Sure, it's painful to watch your child go through something painful, just like a kindred friend would find that painful, but not more than that. Our sense of worth and joy needs to be self-sourced, self-garnered, self-initiated, and that's a healthy parent. And that feeling not whole and finding a wholeness in your child's accomplishments or just like how you are as a parent, you know, that over-identification with being a parent and also, as you say, being like a savior. I guess like where, so just so we can understand like kind of the the tracking of that and better understand our parents, does that come from their childhood? Is this something that was kind of, they were indoctrinated into in society? I guess, where does that come from, that over-identification with being a parent and a savior? Two pathways for that to be so solidly ingrained. One is we were raised with ultimate superiority in our parents. Our parents thought they were the ultimate know-how. They had that energy about them and they controlled us and we had to fall into line or else. So now we carry that as the model, right? So one is through direct experience, observing it in our parents, thinking that that's the way to be a parent. And then culture definitely clearly tells us, that's the second stream, that no, as a parent, this is your identity. You get to manage the situation. Your child's moods, feelings, interests, hobbies are yours to control and produce. You get to curate this masterpiece. So go ahead. 
And then when your child doesn't do what you say, culture has told us there's this thing called parental discipline. Parental discipline is a glorified, legit institution. It's so toxic that we parents have given ourselves the freedom to unsupervised, unrestricted, unmitigated access to our children's body parts and where you can shame them, yell at them, curse them, abuse them, and spank them, slap them, and do what we want with their body. And it's glorified as a legitimized way of parenting. In fact, it's the thing you should do. And I can tell you, I raised my daughter without punishment. Yes, I did lose my shit on her. And for that, I have atoned and redeemed many times over, but because I had to awaken, but that's about it. I mean, I, I wouldn't dare touch her body, but yet so many of us were raised thinking that that's holy, like it's in the Bible, apparently some version of something, you know, but some verse that says, spare the rod and spoil the child. You know, actually, it, I look at it as, yeah, spare the rod and spoil the child. Go mm -hmm. ahead and spoil the child. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and, and, and take care of the child so much. But of course, people read it the other way. Like, if you spare the rod, you're going to spoil the child. You know, so we think it's our, quote unquote, God-given right to, to use the rod on our children. And that means all sorts of control, manipulation, abuse. It's okay. And I call that bad parenting, lazy parenting, toxic parenting. Under no means do it at all parenting, you know? Yeah, there's this kind of belief at times that if you're loving your child in a secured attachment way that you're spoiling them, it's kind of sad in our culture that sometimes we see people or people see people that are deeply connected and committed to their children and it's seen as something that's bad. It's seen as something that they're going to spoil them or, you know, it's going to be detrimental to them. But the conversation around body, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because that specific point makes me think about consent as a topic. But the topic that I wanted to talk to you about as it relates to body, because our audience is mostly women, and we've had a lot of conversations around body and body neutrality and body acceptance or whatever it is, a lot of the ideas that I had around body and sexuality and how I needed to look came from my mother. I had to be a certain size. I had to look a certain way. I had to be all these things. What is what you've seen in your process of all your work been around with the way that mothers kind of are with their girls around how they should look and their bodies? And what are some things we could do to sort of unlearn those things or not pass along our patriarchal view of our bodies to our children? 100% it comes from moms, but it could come from dads. So let's not just blame moms, mm -hmm. but it's cultural, right? So the mom is a prey to body and beauty standards from culture, as we all know. But yeah, it starts in the most small things, right? If your child did not finish all the pasta on the plate, that's because she's honoring her body. Don't tell her, oh, just two more bites, eat it. You're telling her in that moment then to override her body. So how will she know what she wants if we keep overriding our children? So giving choice is so important in my work, even for the two-year-old. Oh, do you want the yellow socks or the pink socks, right? Within their jurisdiction, we give choices. When they're seven, we ask them, do you want scrambled egg or fried egg? Do you want to watch this movie or that movie? You want to eat Chinese or Italian? This is not about indulging children, but it's about teaching them. They have integrity. They have wisdom. They have knowledge. They have knowing. And they have the right to manifest it and that they will be heard. They do have a space at the table and they will be heard at the table. How will we teach our young women especially 
if they were never trained as daughters to have a voice to know what it is they want. So when I tell parents to give children choice, they go, oh, I have no time to give people choice. Just immediate reactivity against me and what I teach. But I then tell them, well, don't you want to raise a leader who knows themselves? How will they have practiced knowing themselves if you know everything for them? Can you please not give your opinion so much? Can you please not direct them, even though you know the best way? Because the more you insert yourself, the more you're robbing them of their power to know themselves. So of course you do it in developmentally appropriate ways, but your mission as a conscious parent is always to turn the baton of empowerment back into your children's hands, wherever possible. Hold back your opinion. Teach them to think for themselves, to find their voice. Even if they make mistakes, give them the practice to say no, no. And why? Why are you saying no? Good. Make a case, right? I talk about in this book, The Parenting Map, teaching your children to negotiate. Don't just teach them to comply. Then you're raising a daughter who has no voice in her dysfunctional relationship later on. Teach them to negotiate because they need to know they have the skills to create a case, of course, developmentally appropriately. But after the age of 12 or 13, they need to come to you with proposals. Okay, mom, I have a proposal. I want to buy a Bentley. Okay, let them have the audacity to say that. And then for you to go, oh, really? That's, I want one too. Let's create a plan to make that happen in the next 26 years. Right? <laughs> but don't just say, no, you're stupid, right? Teach them that, okay, you want to have 15 children over. I want to have two. Let's have a negotiation to let you win because you are a member of this house and you're important. And let me win because I'm important too. And let's negotiate, right? Let's create win-win situations. But parents don't like that because it takes a lot of work and effort and quote-unquote relinquishing control, which is our greatest fear, right? We don't want to relinquish control. And we need to get over ourselves because the only way to raise sons and daughters who respect themselves and others is to give them that respect and to teach them that they are valuable and worthy because children who grow up feeling valuable and worthy will not maraud the value and worth of others. Thank you so much for tuning in to Morning Microdose by Almost 30. We hope you enjoyed waking up. As always, we encourage you to take what resonates and leave the rest. If you enjoyed this trip, tune into the full episode on the Almost 30 podcast. All episode information can be found in the show notes. Make sure to subscribe. And if this becomes a part of your morning routine, be sure to share it with a friend. We have new inspiring doses Monday through Friday. Follow us on Instagram at Morning Microdose. And follow Almost 30 at Almost 30 Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the vortex.